Hello, friends. Melissa here, and welcome to the fourth episode of With I Go podcast, where we explore the question of what in the hell is going on in all sorts of areas of life, or when you've come to the end of yourself and nothing makes sense. So today, I am excited to introduce to you my new friends, Jim and David. I met Jim and David three years ago, I believe, and I'm curious to see if they remember (laughs) the first time we met. But first I'll have, um, I guess I'll just have you speak and we'll try and find a way to identify between your two voices. I feel like this might be hard for listeners. So first we have Jim. Hello. Hi, Jim. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for being on the podcast. It's great to be here with you, Melissa. Yeah. And David. Welcome, David. Hi, Melissa. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah. Today. Well, and we should say that you welcomed me into your home. So we are here in St. Catharines, Ontario, which is actually my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So David, here's my thought that for our listeners, we will describe you as deeper voice David. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think your voice is a little bit deeper than Jim's. And so maybe for listeners, you can remember that deeper voice, David. That's a nice alliteration to it, doesn't it? This is Jim. (laughs) This is Jim, everybody. I don't know if that's helpful. My little tip. I don't know if that's helpful. Um, So do you remember when the first time we met? I I honestly don't. I don't remember either. I suppose it was at Eucharist, but um, yeah, it doesn't, I don't remember specifically. Yeah, it was at Eucharist. I remember it because it was a really impactful experience for me. I had just started going there. Eucharist is a church in Hamilton that I sort of ended up on the doorstep of in the summer of 2018. And I remember meeting both of you in September, I think, 2018, just a couple months later. Kevin, the pastor there, was doing a podcast series, not a podcast series, a sermon series. (laughs) on nuance and the topic of the day was marijuana and I remember meeting both of you back in the speaker's corner and I knew that that sermon was coming up that topic was coming up and I had felt like I might have something to contribute and so I went to the back shared some thoughts in the speaker's corner and Jim I think it was you who might have also shared some thoughts okay do you remember that I don't Interesting. So thank you for like remind, trying to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the sermon series on nuance, though. I remember that we were there for for many of those sermons. So do you, you have no recollection of the speaker's corner? Do you remember sharing your thoughts? Was that when they had like a microphone in the back in the back room? Yeah. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Do you remember what you said? I don't. Okay. Three, four, three years ago. Now. I know. I'm sorry. Know, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> gapping it. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long shot. But so I remember meeting you there. And I also remember that day was for various reasons, kind of emotional. And I remember coming out of the speaker's corner kind of box area and I was crying and you guys were just so kind. And each of you, you know, you just kind of, I think before even saying like, are you okay? Or what's happening? You just sort of like grabbed my arm one or both of you gave me a hug and then I just kept crying. And I did a lot of crying during that season of life, but I just remember feeling so comforted by these two gentlemen who I did not know, who did not know me. And yeah, 
So that was that's my first recollection of having met you. Yeah, that that does ring a bell for me now. Yeah. About, about being there, and I don't didn't honestly sorry don't remember being you, but I do remember being there, and, and uh, obviously you coming out crying, and yeah, that um, that anytime I see that kind of a thing, that's the first thing that I would do is just be there. Mm. And and if if appropriate or if, if the person allows to hold hold their hand or their mm-hmm. arm or whatever kind of thing, so yeah, wow, thank you for that yeah. reminder. Yeah, yeah. pre COVID times when we could get close mm, and yeah. touch and hug one another. Yeah. But um, well, I think it's extra. I feel very honored that you would say yes to coming on this podcast, especially not remember having met <laughs> in the past. <laughs> so. Maybe before we jump into kind of how it came to be that I asked you to be on this podcast, maybe you can just share a little bit about who you are. So maybe we'll start with Jim. Okay. Um, My name is Jim, Jim Graham. I am a a 60-something openly gay man. Uh, David is my partner. We've been together over five years now. So it's a later in life relationship, which is a beautiful thing for, for me. I will certainly speak for myself that, you know, hopefully some of the lessons I've learned and some of the insights I've gained through life up to this point and from uh, another relationship position me to be, you know, a good partner at this point in my life. I'm a registered nurse. Uh, I work on the front lines in healthcare, uh, which has certainly been demanding work during the pandemic. My spiritual life grew later in life also. I'm from a secular family. Uh, my family was really almost anti-religious in a way, and didn't speak very favorably about churches or, you know, the messages I received as a young person were not favorable around religion as a whole. So then, you know, in my 50s, uh, I kind of had, you know, an existential crisis, maybe one could could argue. And in a deeper search for, you know, meaning of life, I landed on uh, my spiritual journey, which led me to Christianity and to Christ. And um, it's something that has and continues to feed me uh, in wonderful ways that I had not been fed before. So I'm grateful for that discovery. In particular, the number of people I've met in different venues, in different churches or spiritual organizations, where people are seeking and following Christ in a way of being in their own lives and in the world. Surrounding myself with people who are also on that journey has been an incredibly enriching experience for me. Uh, So I'm grateful for all of that. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you came to this in your 50s. Yeah, you know, it was, um, you know, it was kind of a crisis situation, actually, where um, I just really had high levels of despair in my life for one reason and another. I ultimately, I really felt a strong need to do something very different in my life and to look at things I hadn't really considered before to find, you know, tranquility and serenity and joy in, in other ways, because the ways that I had been doing it in some regards didn't serve me well mm-hmm. and landed me in a place of, of you know, sadness and despair. And uh, so I was... I was grateful when I look back at that time in my life now, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the, 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 the troubles that I had and it really helped sort of catapult me towards something that's fed me in, in beautiful ways that I hadn't had before. 
Hmm. Um, I have so many follow-up questions already. Oh, I'm so interested. Okay. But before we get there, I think we'll just head over to David here, Deeper Voice David, and um, introduce us to you, however you would like to do that. Okay. Um, my name's David Hall. I identify as he, him, his, which is a new way of introducing myself later in life yeah. as well. My story, in, in a lot of ways, is, is the opposite to Jim's. Hmm. I was raised in a uh, Christian home, a Baptist background, very conservative, but a very loving home. I, I have nothing but um, fond memories, particularly of my younger years before I got into my teens. Um, I, I think for me, the biggest thing was realizing early in my life that um, that impacted my whole life was realizing I was same-sex attracted. Mm. And that kind of set me in a course of contradiction between the way I was being raised and the way I felt it was created or my being. And so in my teens, I had a boyfriend in high school. Mm. Um, I thought nobody knew. found out much later in life that all the youth group knew (laughs) from the church. so I didn't do a very good job of hiding it, maybe from my parents, but not not from my friends in, in youth group. Mm. Um, and not wanting to be rejected or left alone in life, I married mm. and had two beautiful girls. And I was married for 33 years. Um, she unfortunately passed away from cancer. And that really put me on a path of re rediscovery, re-looking at my life, um, very traumatic points in my life, attempts at suicide, thinking that was the only way, and realized uh, pretty much a year and a half after she passed away with some help from friends and of, of my wife's and my girls, basically um, said this would not be the way that Grace, my wife, would want me to be living, and you need to, you know, get on on with life kind of a thing. It was kind of a two-by-four moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I began to, January 1st, 2016, I just decided I'm going to be who I am, a gay man, and live authentically and be who I believe God had created me to be all along, knowing uh, at this point in life I was going to lose, basically, relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost on me as an individual, my spiritual, mental, physical being was was so heavy and so um, dark that being authentic and living who I am brought light and uh, healing in a lot of ways and peace and contentment in my life that I had never experienced before. And then uh, four months later, after that, after I had decided I was going to be okay being single the rest of my life, if that's what God planned, I met Jim. Mm-hmm. And uh, that put me on a whole new course of discovery that I am ever so grateful for since. Um, yeah. It's meant living a life that has purpose and meaning and joy and contentment, peace. I'm not saying all the troubles went away, but they're more manageable, Mm -hmm. uh, just being who I am. So So January 2016 was when you made that choice to just live your authentic life, like who David has always been. That's right. So that's not that long ago, actually. No, no. Yeah. Six years coming. Yeah. Huh. Um... I mean, I kind of mentioned this in the introduction, but this whole podcast idea is asking what in the hell is going on? And it sounds like 
the two of you asked that question, you know, to yourselves, maybe to God, you know, like, what is what is happening here? You kind of each touched on moments where in the language that I use, like you've come to the end of yourself, you know, and life just turned out far different than you might have imagined. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, if you're comfortable talking about that moment for you, and maybe it wasn't a moment, maybe it was a season of life when you really did come to the end of yourself. Jim, you touched on, you know, having a time or a moment or a season of despair. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you're comfortable sharing a little bit more about what that was for you. Um, Yeah, I'll be happy to lean into that some more. I was uh, living in the U.S. at the time, actually, as I, as most of my adult life, I was uh, living and working uh, in the U.S. Uh, and studying there. And I had been in a long-term relationship. Uh, it was uh, about 10 years into the relationship, which was mostly good. And it had a component to it that was very difficult for me that uh, ultimately wasn't going to be resolved. There wasn't a resolution to that from many efforts. And the way the tension in that relationship manifested itself in me was really an unhealthy. I had a really unhealthy response to that in the way that I was trying to, you know, seek my own contentment and my own place in the world, I guess. Um, but it was an unhealthy way of going about that. And uh, it's not something that fed me in a positive way. I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking more about that. Yeah. Um, but let's just say it wasn't it wasn't healthy. It wasn't a good way to cope with a difficult relationship. Mm-hmm. And it became obsessive and addictive, frankly. Mm-hmm. So in my uh, in my journey to to heal from that and to reposition my thoughts and my feelings in a healthier way, it led me to 12-stepping, frankly, mm. not from any any uh, substance or anything, but it was more of a process-type addiction, you know, which in and of itself, the 12-step program, for those who may know about that, is, is a spiritual program. It speaks to God uh, in how you see God. And... It led me to a church, quite honestly, and that was really the beginning of my of my spiritual journey and a big part of my recovery. Hmm. So those two things went hand in hand for me. But at the height of all of that, you know, my despair was very was very deep. I had a tremendous sadness and um, loss of purpose. So it was a very very difficult season, and it's amazing. Um, to discover my own capacity to heal and to recover in the state of despair. Like we really have amazing capacities as humans to like, to, you know, move forward in new, in new and and healthier ways. Yeah. So I was really, I was really delighted to discover that. Yeah. That resonates so much with me too, because yeah, I mentioned 2018 was kind of the, a very tumultuous year for me. That was when I had first left my position at work and was just in really rough shape. And I remember thinking then, like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I don't know if I'm going to get over this. I don't know if I'm going to get out the other side. And 
sitting here now three years later, I'm also sort of so pleasantly surprised, you know, at how well I'm doing now. And so that totally resonates with me just in terms of our capacity to heal, our ability to move through hard things. And even when it feels so insurmountable, you can't really picture at all what the other side looks like if it'll ever get there. And I find that so incredibly hopeful. Um, One question I have is, you know, thinking about yourself in that season of despair, what would you say to yourself then? If you could go back and say, say something to younger Jim. Oh, yeah. You know, I would, I would like to, first of all, I would just want to put my arm around Jim mm. and just hold him for a second, for a moment, and just to let him know that there is, there is hope and that you can trust in, in the love of Christ and in the love of others to help you uh, out of the season of despair. And this, the notion of hope, the notion of trust, these are not concepts that I was, I was raised with. The concept mm-hmm. of faith was not something that was discussed in my family of origin or considered. So there was a, it, this, these concepts of faith, trust, hope were quite new um, and really restorative mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. So I would want to tell Jim about you know, to just lean into those, um, embrace them to the extent that I'm able to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not incredibly familiar with 12 steps, but I'm somewhat familiar. And from what I understand, they describe God as you understand him. So it's a very, uh, inclusive and broad understanding of God. You know, it's sort of, yeah, as you understand God to be. So just wondering a little bit about how of all the different ways one can understand God, how did it come to be that you moved from AA, where they talk about God very broadly, to a church and more specifically a Christian church? Yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, I am very uh, privileged, frankly, to have some great extended family. And, you know, it's so interesting during my season of despair, I'm just going to go back for just a moment, you know, how difficult it is to acknowledge the great extended family that that I had and how little I was able to really consider that in the season of despair. It's part of the darkness, it's part of the heaviness of the despair. But in any case, I did share with a cousin of mine uh, who I knew was uh, Christian and, you know, routinely went to church, very involved in her church for which in our family she took a fair amount of criticism for, you know, Mm. um, over a long, over decades of time. And so I was telling her a little bit about my season of despair and how uh, difficult that was, and she invited me to her church. And she said, you know, just come and give it a try, you know. And she also did say, like, I probably wouldn't come out as gay at my church. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, and at this point in my life, you know, being gay, whatever that means, wasn't like the biggest priority for me. My biggest priority was to come out of my despair and to try to find more joy and tranquility in life, you right. know. So I did go to her church, and I and it was clear across Toronto. I was living on the east side. Her church was on the west side. So, you know, it was like nearly an hour's drive to get there early on Sunday morning. Uh, which was completely foreign to me to like, you know, get up to get ready to go to church in the morning. <laughs> that was like a whole, that was a whole new thing right there. Um, 
But um, I did go, and I and I will say there are parts of that service that I still remember today. The music in particular, they had kind of a blended, you know, contemporary, traditional music program. The young people that were involved in it and how clearly joyful they felt in that service. Um, young families with young children. I saw families together. I saw children playing together. One of the things that really draws me to Eucharist, by the way, um, and so I had very, very early on, after going to literally one service, it was very evident to me that there was a possibility, there was a, a mustard seed of, of hope that there is a more joyful way of being in the mm. world and with others. Mm. And so that was a really a really impactful moment for me to just go to that service um, and to observe the joy and to feel some of it at that point in Mm. my state of despair. Um, And so I really had the impression very early on that there was, there was something to this journey in Christianity with, with Christ. Mm. And that was still very unclear to me exactly what that was. (laughs) Yeah. But it was certainly enough of an exposure um, and to see how people responded to that and how their joy and their own peace were flourishing in that in that setting, you know, that made me realize there could be something here for me to to lean into. That is so hopeful. And I just I feel like it's rare, actually, to hear. Like, sadly, to hear those stories of, I went to a church and it was awesome, (laughs) you know, like, especially maybe in this time, I feel like, especially the two SLGBTQIA plus friends have had so many shitty experiences (laughs) in church. And so that's amazing to me and really hopeful because so many people have had such different experiences. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think that that's, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it was a great experience for me, and it was really, really impactful. So I'm just grateful for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. David, similar question. I wonder if you would be comfortable sharing a little bit more about your season of despair or the point or time at which you came to the end of yourself and were kind of asking questions like, what does it mean? What is this for? What am I doing here? What the heck? Um, well, you just asked all the questions I was asking at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, one of the things that you had said earlier was um, how everything was kind of going along and then, you know, it just kind of like fell apart, you know, like, what the hell? Like, kind yeah. of thing. And I guess I really had that kind of a moment um, when my wife passed away. I had told her early in our marriage, actually three years into our marriage, that I was same-sex attractive. And yet, um, at that point in in church life, in Christianity, divorce was almost as bad as being gay, you know, kind of a thing. And and particularly for women. Um, And so we talked a lot about that, and we just decided, you know, I loved her enough not to want to put her through more. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we decided that we were going to stay together and do the best we could with God's help kind of thing. 
so we had our kids. We moved uh, from Edmonton to St. Catharines um, to, for me to take a job here. And we really were planning retirement. Mm-hmm. And um, then in 2010, um, we discovered she had breast cancer. And we were very hopeful that she was going to get through it. They gave her a very short period of time to live, you know, six to nine months. Well, a year and a half later, two years later, we're like, okay, maybe we can beat this thing. Yeah. And she was actually doing quite well. It was into the the latter part of the second year when things started not going well for her health-wise. And uh, it was obvious she was not going to live much longer. Um, So we talked a lot about that. And for some reason, uh, I was very peaceful about the whole thing Hmm. at that point you know I think mainly because I was very concentrated on looking after her and being there for her and for my girls and that kind of a thing and then when she passed away um, I was like okay it's a new season of life I've gotten through things before I'll get through this again I took a month off from work travel and visit family across Canada and into the U.S. and came back and Went back to work, and um, that second month back after she had passed away, things just kind of started going off track, mm-hmm. and I struggled. And Christmas came, or Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and all those seasons when you get together with family, and here I'm going with my girls, but on my own, it felt like. Yeah. And it just, there was, I was losing the joy and, and the, the connection I had felt uh, in family. I went away shortly after that into the new year. And uh, while I was away, my kids decided they were moving out. Mm. They were living at home at that point. So I came back from holidays and they said, we've rented a place. I was like, oh, okay, that's another huge change to deal with. I wasn't expecting that. Um, And they moved out and being all alone in the house and all alone with my thoughts and all alone with realizing things weren't going to work out the way that I wanted to, I got to the point where I thought, why am I here? What, what purpose do I have? I, I've lived a life uh, at this point, I said that was a lie, you know, uh, in a marriage that probably should never have happened. What am I leaving for my kids? You know, what example have I set for them? And it's just this kind of a spiral thing that just slowly yeah, I hit bottom kind of thing. And um, July that year, uh, which would be 2015, I attempted suicide. Mm. And uh, for some reason, texted out to my sister and my pastor, who arrived very quickly, got me to the hospital, and um, I was there for three days under observation and realized then that this was not the kind of life I wanted to live, but I didn't know what kind of life mm-hmm. at that point. Stuck very close to my family, to, to the church I was going to, who seemed to be very supportive, but I feel felt like I just couldn't be who I was. Until that time I had mentioned before Christmas 2015, when my kids and uh, friends of my wife and that said, this is not what Grace would want for you. In fact, she had apparently told them a few months before that when um, she was gone that I should live who I was meant to be. Mm. And that was the two-by-four moment. Mm. So, yeah, for me, it was just 
getting to the point, like you mentioned, where I just didn't feel like I had any purpose or meaning or anything. But out of that despair, like Jim had said, came uh, this moment of of um, enlightenment, if you want to say it, for my kids, my friends, my wife. And it was like, okay, maybe I should give this a try kind of a thing. Um, this meaning like living and... Living and, authentically as a gay man. Yeah. You know, and figuring out how that worked with my faith. Right. You know, but I also, in that time, said, I'm going to give myself time to figure this out. Uh, I, I often tell the story to people, January 1st, I changed pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I was living, the way I was eating, the way I was looking after myself, what I was involved in, who I was involved with. Um, I went off all medication I'd been on for 15, 20 years for a variety of reasons. I'd lost 65 pounds, was power walking every morning <laughs> for an hour. It started out 20 minutes, ended up being two to three hours on some mornings. Just really felt really good about myself and thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. Then uh, went away and met with a friend of mine in Hawaii who had been the one that revealed to me that the whole youth group knew, right. you know, when I went to Hawaii, he told me that. Um, and just decided, yeah, okay, if I'm going to be single and this is what it means to be a gay Christian man, I'm good with that. Yeah. And came back and quite literally that afternoon met Jim. Wow. <laughs> and we've been together ever since. Wow. <laughs> so I, it felt just like to me, in that despair, finally realizing that I was created specifically for a purpose and for a reason and who I am as a being by God, by creator, as you said, however you identify, that for this to happen was like God saying, I've been waiting for you mm. just to be who I made you to be. Mm. I'm opening the door for you for all kinds of possibilities. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. You're welcome. Um, Thank you for allowing me to share. Mm. Hmm. Just have to let that land for a minute. Hearing you share that story, you and Jim, reminds me of how this all came together, that I would, you know, want to have you on this podcast. And it's because I had heard you share a little bit of that story at this church where we so happened to meet a couple of years ago. Um, we were going through conversations about how are we going to include, I feel like language is so lacking here, but how are we going to include our rainbow friends, you know, our plus friends, the gay community, the queer community. And so many churches have done that so poorly. So many communities have done that so poorly. And I think what we were attempting to do in our little community at Eucharist Church in Hamilton was to start off simply by sharing what that has been like for a number of, um, what terminology do you use? Plus, friends, rainbow friends? Do you use the whole acronym? I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm probably not doing this justice. Well, you know, you're, I think you're touching on a, on a complicated sort of topic right now. Like what, how do we, how do we identify our community? Yeah. I've been now, uh, I, right now I use the queer community. Okay. That's, that just feels easier to me. And at the same time, 
um, it's a little bit complicated for me personally because the term queer when I was like a teenager was clearly a derogatory term. Like it was a negative derogatory, bad thing to be queer, you know, Yeah. it was used in a negative context. So now language has sort of evolved during my lifetime where queer is a joyful, broad term that covers our whole community. Yeah. In my, that's in my mind. And I recognize that different people in, in our community would use different language. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some individuals within our community would identify queer as being separate from being LGBTQ. You know, they're the Q, right? Which also can mean questioning. So, and, and I think it's, my comment is uh, with that is if you're trying to speak about the gay community, I tend to say just gay community is a broad term. Um, if it's done in a respectful and uh, a meaningful way without intending harm or anything that is to be willing to be corrected by whoever you're with because they may identify differently. Yeah. So like you've asked us, I would be asking the same question from somebody else that's within our community. Yeah. Uh, how they feel about the use of particular terms. Yeah. So, it really is individual. Yeah. yeah. So when you're talking, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, my heart is absolutely for respect and for inclusion. And I just worry sometimes that, you know, as someone who does not identify as part of, you know, the queer or gay community that I am going to somehow accidentally do harm even by the language that I'm using. So yeah, it's helpful to hear the terms that you both are comfortable with. And I'll just probably use either of those interchangeably, but, um, we met at this church community in Hamilton and we, I had heard you share some of your story because that's where our community had started was just, you know, this is kind of a big issue. Even the word issue, I don't love, you know, like that can be a harmful word. Uh, But I guess what I mean to describe is that I think it's very much a reality that so many people in the gay community, the queer community have felt so harmed by the church by people in the church. And so we were as a community trying to understand how to move forward. And um, oftentimes you hear, you know, we welcome people, but we don't affirm who they are, you know, and that that has done so much harm. And I think as a community, we were trying to say, like, we're all in, you know, like welcomed and affirmed. And even saying that, I want to make so many caveats with the language. I hate that language, too. You know, the affirming anyways. I heard your story as part of that because the first thing we did was just hear from people who had walked this path and hearing that as happened today, it hit me, you know, I get choked up every single time I hear you guys talk about it. And what I think is so cool is that as different as our life experience has been, um, I am not a gay man in my (laughs) sixties. And yet there's just elements of it that so connect with me and that so land in my heart and soul. Yeah, that is so much of why I hoped that you would come and share your story, because as different as our stories are or as different as they might look on paper, there's so many ways in which our stories connect. And, you know, you mentioned how lonely you felt after your wife had passed and your daughters moved out. And from a very different perspective, I have felt deep loneliness in life. 
And that too is part of where this podcast idea came from. Um, with I Go is a recognition that though I still go alone in many ways, I don't go alone. I go with you. You go with me. We go together. We go with God. That's the way that I've ended every podcast. And I hope that by sharing our stories that other people who may be listening can feel that moment of not aloneness where they can look to somebody, maybe a part of your story really lands, you know, with them as it did with me. And you hear somebody else articulate something that you've been through and it's like, Oh, me too. Or, you know, as you guys are both so wonderfully describing these seasons of despair and then being able to share a bit about what it looks like on the other side of that, because I can speak for myself and it may be true for you and others that when you're, when you're entering it and when you're in the midst of it, it's really hard to imagine a life that is different or more joyful. So when you reached out in that moment of despair, you talked about, you know, that you had attempted suicide and, um, when you reached out to your pastor and your sister, was it your sister? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Were you saying goodbye at that point? Uh, apparently, and I don't remember doing this, um, I texted, see you at the pearly gates. Mm. Uh, in the only language that I knew mm. at that point in my life, what it meant to leave here. I, I still reflect on that every once in a while and how... Even in that moment, I still felt myself to be a child of God because I was going to be at the pearly gates, yeah. <laughs> like kind of thing, um, which astounds me um, sometimes as well. Um, that's something that not not Christianity in itself or, or the Christian faith in itself was harmful, but the the way that it was described to me and the way that uh, I was expected to live it was more harmful than the actual belief in God that I still felt I could reach to God mm. and be there mm. and in that moment. Yeah. I, 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 I'm still astounded that that all happened. Yeah. Um, I still say to a lot of people that was a God thing. Yeah. It wasn't me right? Uh, because I don't really remember any of it. So is it fair to say that for you, perhaps for both of you, that your relationship with God is separate from your relationship from the church? Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I will say for myself, definitely. Uh, I see church more as an institution than not really what Christianity or, or being a follower of Christ is um, because of the, the harm that I've seen that it's caused not just those within LGBTQ, 2 plus, um, to spirit community, but just in the world in general, a lot of times has caused not always intentionally, um, but has caused a lot of harm and has really taken away from what the message that Jesus was came and, and gave, which was to um, love people where they are. And in that love, and in that act of love and compassion and concern and service, and um, that's what 
brings people to God, not not the preaching at, not the the words, not the doc, dogma and the belief system and all that. Jesus rejected all that. He mm-hmm. didn't even go into the temple, you know, mm-hmm. like he saw them a bunch of hypocrites and vipers. You know, he worked outside of the church, as it was known then, among people that were oppressed and rejected by by the faith community. And so I think, yeah, for me, I definitely separate my beliefs, my understanding of Christianity from the Christian church. Right. Um, and I guess by church here, we're kind of talking about religion. Yeah, religion, yeah. the institution, the, yeah. yeah, the hierarchy, the patriarchy, yeah. all that. Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, for me, too, that also resonates with me because, yeah, I would say for, I guess, half my life, I was not uh, a Christian. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. In my household was my mom, my older sister, and myself. And we were raised in a Christian Reformed um, environment, part of that church. And so much of it hadn't made sense to me. So much of it... um, seemed so hypocritical. We were kind of, I describe it as the charity case of the church. And by the time I was a teenager, I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is total bullshit. And it was a very interesting experience after university that brought me to faith. And at the time, yeah, Jim, like, I didn't know what the heck, what, like I had an experience that I couldn't deny, but certainly had no idea what that meant and was not really interested in signing up to be a Christian after I had made this very reasonable decision not to be one. But in terms of having a separate relationship with God then from the church, once I did eventually become a Christian and got involved with churches, the church was a really, like I had a very painful experience with a church. And so it was also something for me that was and is separate. You know, like my relationship with God, I would describe it as very, like, real to me, very foundational for me. Um, There's probably, like, this would be a very separate, a whole podcast in and of itself to describe my relationship with God and what that means and how it came about and what I understand God to be or whom or whatever. But all that to say, um, my relationship from the church is far different than my relationship to God. And in terms of, you know, church structure and the institution of it, that can be a very oppressive and maybe accidentally harmful. I think sometimes it's not accidentally, but sometimes it is. Because when I think of the church, I think of people just trying to do life together. To me, that's the the best description of the church. When I think of, you know, religion maybe could describe the structure um, in my mind. And then the church is just people who are, who've decided for various reasons to follow the way of Jesus, who call themselves Christians or maybe not, but identify in that way and just us doing life together. And because of that, you know, we're all messy in some way. Like we're all just figuring this shit out. Like we're doing the best we can, but that means we also accidentally hurt each other along the way. And so I can have a lot of compassion and space for the church. If we're using that language to describe just people doing life together. Yeah. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier in terms of the gay community and how they've been oftentimes very yeah hurt. And I would say as someone not from the gay community, I've also felt very hurt. And yet, I still have this really strong connection to God. 
if you could describe God, like if you could, you know, God is blank. What, how would you answer that? How would you fill in that blank? I would, I would say God is energy. Hmm. Um, so I, I perceive God as external energy, energy from the universe. And I know it sounds a little cosmic maybe, um, but also energy within. Yeah. So that's, that, that would, that's how I would answer that question. I'm curious, David, how you would answer that question. God is. Um, to be really honest, I'm still trying to figure all that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do think God is much bigger than, than what I was ever told he was. And he, they, she. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I'm kind of landing, I've been described as a universalist, which is kind of what Jim described. Uh, I believe God is everywhere, is in everything, and we're part of that whole, as Jim said, energy. Like, yeah, I don't think in being created by God, I've been created separate from God. I'm still part of who God is. When I, when I was created, I was created by God from his, his, their decision from their creative ability. And when I leave here, I'm going back to that, that same, same place. So it, it always kind of reminds me of a, of a song that was sung in the church a lot. This is not my home. I'm only passing through. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like I really have, I have a beginning and an ending on this earthly life, but I don't really have a beginning and ending because I feel like I'm part of, of who God is. And I'm, I'm representative in, in their image here. Maybe I don't do a good job of it, <laughs> but uh, that's why I, I look at Jesus coming and just being God's presence on earth, loving people for who they are. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm supposed to be. And that, to me, is what church is. Yeah. Is unconditional uh, acceptance of other people, realizing that they've been created for a purpose and with gifts and abilities that I don't. And to dismiss any of their story or their journey is to dismiss truth, um, because that's who we are. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we will ever agree no matter how much we have in common um, within the church or outside the church. But yet, like you said, we have enough threads that are similar that we should, at least for me, I try to find those common threads and accept a person just as they are. Mm -hmm. And stories, to me, are the most powerful thing. If you have an open mind and heart, to know that those stories are going to be different from yours and people will land in different places, even based on some of the same information. If you can do that, I think life becomes much more meaningful and enriching. Mm -hmm. um, just accepting people um, through what they've gone through. That's their truth. Yeah. Can I just weigh in on David's answer? Absolutely. For a moment? Do you mind? Yeah. Um, so there's, so I t totally hear David's answer to, to your question. And there's a piece of me that's really surprised by your answer because I thought it would be, I, I really, in some ways, had sort of anticipated you saying, God is love. Because as I know David, 
like love is just like emitting from like every cell of, of David's energy. Uh, I, I, I routinely and commonly and often experience David's position of, of love. And I think that, and my, my impression of you has been like, that's really God driven. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, you did touch on love for a moment. (laughs) And so that was great. But my experience of David is, is his, his God driven love. Mm. Um, you know, which is something I find very appealing in him and, um, yeah. yeah. And so that's an energy I see I would say that the notion of love is a it's a type it's a type of energy. Yeah. It's a god-driven energy. Um but anyways, I just thought I would just yeah. weigh in on David's on David's reply, you know. And on your comment, <laughs> too. I think that love that you said exudes, um I think it's from me learning to accept not only others unconditionally, but to accept myself unconditionally mm-hmm. and realizing I'm no more important and no better than anybody else. And so by accepting them for who they are and their story and their journey, um, I get that that is my love for that other person. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because God showed that same love and concern and for me to have had that two by four moment and God saying, I've been waiting, you know, kind of yeah. a thing. And now I've got so much for you and so much possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So you both talked about kind of coming out the other side and that the joy, you know, Jim, that you saw possible in this church community, and you know, it was like a mustard seed and it was just a little something there. And then you talked, David, about, um, yeah, but it was like, okay, we're ready for this next chapter. Like you're moving into this next phase of life and you're happier and healthier. And so what is something on the other side of it that you didn't think was possible before? (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of looking at each other. Go, go for it. Okay. Um, So for me, um, the, the one piece of, of church, so I'm, we're talking about the church side of things right now, is the notion of community. You know, to be able to get together once a week, whether we're in a church building or outside in a garden somewhere, and that we get to worship together um, and be together with young families, with young children, and, and you know, other seniors and and, you know, youth, you know, the, 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 the different generations coming together um, and being one is a very powerful experience for me and something that I've really missed tremendously during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, even to just observe it and to be there to feel that, to feel that energy. Yeah. Uh, in a community that's worshiping together, singing together, praying together. There's a power in that that I haven't experienced in any other part of my life. And didn't experience before that season of despair. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, So, you know, those are gifts. Yeah. Right. And so I really, I really um, 
to be honest, didn't recognize the power of those gifts until the pandemic hit. Until it took it away. Yes. You know, and although we've participated in Zoom church and um, have observed services over electronics, and I'm, I'm glad that we have that. It's it's like probably the best option we have right now. Yeah. For me personally, I just experience it very differently, and I experience it less so than being together. Yeah. Um, there's something about you know the God energy. And I know, I, I know, I hope I'm not talking too cosmically here. That's like kind of hard to understand. But no, I think it's great. I feel the I feel the God energy when I am in a room with other people. Yeah. And we are worshiping together in this way. Um, I don't quite personally. I don't quite feel it the same way over Zoom or um, some electronic connection. It's part of why I wanted to come to do this in person. Because, like, there's just nothing that can substitute for being in person, in proximity, in a room with people that have beating hearts and lungs filled with air and, you know? And, you know, can I just add this, too? And, like, joyful smiles and joyful laughs. Like, Melissa, when I see you laugh, you put your head back and you, like, (laughs) laugh. And then in other moments when you're tearful. Yeah. Like... Sitting across from you right now, experiencing that is just so brilliant. And to do it over Zoom, it's it's nice. It's like fine, but it's yeah, <laughs> right. So um, yeah, so it sounds like you know we kind of resonate on yeah. that. Like there's no replacement, but community in church. And I will, I would, I would say specifically to Eucharist. Like we don't live in Hamilton. But there's times when I just wish, oh, oh yeah. gosh, I wish we lived here. We could be, it'd be easier to be part of like your, the, um, what do you call it? The home, the, the living rooms, the living rooms, the living yeah. rooms um, and to serve and to serve in more direct ways at Eucharist would be brilliant for us. Yeah. Now, fortunately we are, we're, are at, we're active in a church here in St. Catharines too. And we get to do some things there, both urban churches, yeah. uh, which is kind of new for me. I was kind of a suburban kind of cat before. And so that's, that's a really, <laughs> that's a different feel yeah. of a church. It's a different mission of these churches. Um, but yeah, I'm really grateful that you traveled to us today and yeah. that our energy can be together yeah. in a room. I have to know? say it was a bit of a trip coming back to St. Catharines just because not like a trip, it's not, it's like a fairly short drive, but yeah. I just mean like, it's an experience. It's a trip, like coming back to oh, my yeah. hometown. Cause I have very, I, I think a lot of people have sort of mixed feelings about the, yeah. their hometown or where they grew up. Sure. But what you were saying about community is actually kind of answering the, like another question I had, which was, you know, if, if each of you feels that you have a strong relationship with God separate from or outside of, or in addition to the church as such, um, why go to church? You know, like Mm -hmm. why even go? And I think if I were to answer that question, it would be exactly what you just described, which is community. Because for me and how I ended up, you know, on the doorstep of Eucharist was that I had had this painful separation with a church I had been a part of in, a, in KW when I lived there. And I was like, oh, so not sure that I wanted to, like, I was feeling pretty raw and down on church, you know? 
And yet what I knew was true was that community was important. And as someone who has felt lonely in life and just as someone who, from my understanding of, you know, whatever I've read in the Bible and understood in the Bible, like you cannot substitute for community. People were not meant to be alone. I was just talking about that movie with Tom Hanks and he made Wilson, you know what I mean? Castaway. It's like, we are not, if you think about solitary confinement, you know, like we are wired to be with other people. Mm -hmm. And as much as I was sad and I was angry and I was so many things, feeling so many things, the one thing I knew to be true was that I needed community and that as yeah painful and as raw as I felt and you know I cried everywhere (laughs) I cried everywhere um but I was like I'm just gonna keep showing up because I think that's the one thing and so that would be my answer as to why even mess with the church you know if it's so potentially hurtful and so not in some ways necessary for a relationship with God, then why even go? And my answer would be, cause I got to do life with other people who are trying to do life. So can I, I, I like, I got a couple of things that are just swirling in my head and yeah. I'm going to put them out and you can cut them or move them somewhere else or whatever. So you asked about when kind of came through and came out the other side, you know, what were the possibilities you saw uh, or experienced? Oh yeah. And Jim responded, the way I expected, because that's his experience. And I love listening to his stories, um, his journey and, and how he, uh, how he is going through life and experiencing life. Because like I said before, it just enriches my life. I came from a totally different response to that question. Mm. My seeing the possibility of having a relationship with another man, Mm. And it to be as loving and accepting and support, supporting. I mean, we've struggled. I mean, any relationship, if you're honest, you struggle. There's times when you just, you know, look at each other and go, what, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did not even believe this was possible. Yeah. Until I met Joe. Quite literally, then I realized, hey, this may actually be possible. And we met at um, uh, at a re- Christian gay retreat, hmm. and I actually spoke at the end of that, and I talked about how the retreat and how what I have gone through spoke to possibilities in life when we open ourselves to what God. Uh, what the universe has for us, you know, all things have become possible. Um, and and the, the only way that that happened for me is I had to remove the blinders of the expectations and uh, the theology that restricted my view and kept me very narrow focused and to open up to what life has to offer, then all things become possible. And so my relationship with Jim and how we've grown in the last five years together and as individuals, I did not believe was possible. Mm. And so that coming out the other side to have that happen, um, quite honestly, and I've said this to Jim many times has blown me away. Mm. I, I just never believed I could love and be with somebody like Jim as a gay man and still within my faith community, all of that together 
um, was what tore me apart before, and now it's what brings me together. It's yeah. what uh, forms me as a being, my spiritual, emotional, physical, all that I am, mm. um, just creates me to be who I am, and, and I'm happy with that, and I'm content, and um, joy. Um, yeah. The other thing that you mentioned was about, about community and not wanting to, um, wondering about stepping inside the, the church doors. Jim, for a while, knows this. I couldn't even go to church. Mm. Uh, there was one point when we got to the church doors, and I went, no, this is not happening. I had to walk away. Yeah. And this is a sad part. <laughs> the community that we had, um, some people will know as generous space, unfortunately, no longer exists. But that's where we met. And um, that community accepted everything about me, my struggles, my identity, my uh, conflicts, um, my ability to express myself in different ways or allowed me just the space to be silent. Mm -hmm. As I looked at everybody else in the community and listened to their stories while I tried to figure out who am I, and the answer to the question, like you said, what the hell? Yeah. What is going on? Like, that's why for me, I guess you use the word church. I, I tend to use community of faith. Mm. We have similar faith. It, we may all be called ourselves Christian, but we have different understanding of what all that means. And yet there's space for all of us that, to wrestle with that and be who we are and we accept and love and I don't understand a lot of people that were within that community, you know, uh, about their their sexual identity or orientation, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean they're any less worth of being in that space than I am. And so it's not just a community of faith, but it, it's a space of safety and acceptance. You can just be who you are, and people just are there with you, not trying to correct you or change you or move you in a particular direction. Um, but just through sharing of stories and experiences and understanding of what scripture and maybe other faiths um, or belief systems, you know, I think uh, just it, it made it such a good place for me to be mm. until I found a community of faith, a building, yeah. church building that I could walk into. Right. And so, yeah, community outside of the church, I think, is probably more important than the community within the church itself, mm. at least for me personally. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for um, chiming in and also answering the question that I asked <laughs> and then didn't come around to. I hope over time I get um, better at this. I feel like <laughs> as we're talking too, I'm like, okay, I think maybe in the future I need like a little pad and paper so I can just make a note so I can actually bring something around or be like, <laughs> Yeah. So thank you for being uh, patient with my uh, amateur interview skills. Um, when is the last time you remember experiencing joy? Wow. Hmm. I really have to think about an instance. <laughs> and you can interpret that however you would like so I have kind of one very very recent joy okay was I came home from work last night and 
we had our usual cheese and crackers and beverage and sat in the living room and just talked mm -hmm. about our day and mm -hmm. about life. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are the most joyful moments for me. Yeah. Is when we just take the time to stop and be in the moment and experience what's there. And mine was our conversation last night mm -hmm. um, after I got home from work, you know, so that, that I also have to say this one because water is one of my favorite places to be. I was born in Halifax and raised near the ocean and so all that kind of thing I miss. Um, but we, at the beginning of August, went um, to uh, Southampton, Port Elgin to meet with friends. And on one particular day, we were by ourselves and we went to a beach. And this little girl started walking by, no more than two, maybe not even that. She was just barely walking. And she'd walk along and she'd stop and she would just stare at people. And I was like waving, you know, and she would just kind of, and then she would, you know, start moving on. And her, her mom uh, said, I think it's because this is the first time she's ever been around people without masks. Yeah. And she's looking at people and going, that's what your face looks like. Wow. And that that was such a very touching and joyful and emotional moment that I think I'll always remember that because mm -hmm. now we were talking about being in each other's presence yeah. and how the conversation feels more um, connected, more... Full of life. Full and of life. Like and 3D. Just, yeah. And to see this little girl respond in that way just was like... Simple things in life. Yeah. Yeah, she was a COVID baby. Yeah. Right? Like she had been born during the pandemic. Yeah. And so it always um, seen people outside of her own family with masks, yeah. you know. And so now to be on this beach and she was just like in awe of all these people. It was. That's so it, interesting. It, it made me giggle. Oh, you yeah. You know, it, it brought joy. Yeah. Little things. I think yeah. that's so key, Melissa. Like we don't have to do something extravagant and fly halfway across the world and do something exotic and spend a lot of money on it Yeah, that, you know, joy is, is around us yeah. when we tap into it, you know, and sometimes just the simple things yeah. can be very joyful. Totally. You know? Yeah. 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 I love that. Okay. What is one thing you really love about yourself? Wow. Well. Or you like about yourself, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes we can, especially in those times of despair, I'm thinking back to that, right? Like it, things just, yeah, are dark, like you said. And I just love, I don't know, I just find, yeah, there's joy in asking the question even, you know? Like, what do you like about yourself? Yeah. You know, that it's a great question for me. I tend to be, I, I tend to be like internally really self-critical. Mm. And so it's a great question for me to help me explore, you know, bring to words what I like about myself. But I will say I, 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 I like um, my sense of humor. <laughs> I yeah. can make myself and others laugh. <laughs> yes. So I am, um, David might have his own might weigh in <laughs> on that a little bit differently, but we do have some laughs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think laughing is a really... Um, restorative thing to do totally you know yeah. yeah yeah wow something i like about myself well, i love to be a, the ability to be able to sit down, sit down and play piano and mm. in, a, in a moment when everything else seems to be a swirl the one thing i'm growing to like about myself 
is the ability to stop and to listen to other people mm-hmm. and hear what they're saying with my brain and not just my ears mm-hmm. and getting to know them through that. I think that's one of the things I'm loving about myself. I would add to that too, David, not just to hear with your brain, but you, you, I think you have a great capacity to hear with your heart mm. as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I would just, I would just toss that in there. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Um, no better uh, people see us than we see ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Well, I feel like I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> I really love it. Thank you so much for just being really candid and generous with your time and also with your stories. I certainly feel so grateful to have spent yeah this time with you and to just hear your wisdom and your life experience. And I hope it's something that others will also, you know, benefit from and connect to. Um, is there anything that you just want to say that we haven't covered? Like anything. I can't think of anything, to be honest. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. No, not really, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I always end the podcast with, for anyone who has ever felt um, fill in the blank, and then after we've shared a couple of those, you know, we just say, I go with you. You go with me. We go together we go with God. So do you want to take a crack at that for anyone who has ever? For anyone who has ever felt alone. Yeah. For anyone that's ever felt unloved. Mm -hmm. For anyone who wonders if they belong. For anyone who has ever wondered if there's another side Anybody who ever wonders what the possibilities are, mm. maybe discover them. For anyone who has ever wondered if they would feel joy again. For anyone who wonders if they are loved. I go with you. You go with me. Go we with go together. together. We go with God. God. We go with God. Thank you so much. Thank you.